Today's episode of the Sidious Mag Podcast on the Sidious Mag Podcast Network is brought to you by the Sidious Mag Newsletter. Sign up at SidiousMag.substack.com to get your weekly fix of all the latest news, commentary, and more from all around the running world provided by yours truly. Every week, we're doing a giveaway like some of our crew neck sweaters, our hoodies. I've implemented a crossword puzzle that's been a hit with some of the readers. The newsletter also lets you keep up with all of the podcasts and shows that we're releasing all across the Sidious Mag podcast family. It's once a week and keeps you in the know. It takes two seconds to sign up. It's SidiousMag.substack.com. You can also find the link in the show notes. So sign up today. My guest for today's episode is Nathan Martin. He is a two-time U.S. Olympic Marathon Trials qualifier who finished 23rd at the Trials in Los Angeles and 69th on the super tough course and the windy conditions of Atlanta earlier this year. His personal best going into Sunday's race at the Marathon Project was 2 hours, 14 minutes, and 34 seconds, and he absolutely knocked that out of the park by running 2.11.05 to finish 9th overall. After the race, I received a tip uh, to look into the time, and I quickly learned that his time is now the fastest marathon clocked by a black man born in the United States. The previous best time was set by Herman Atkins in 2.11.52 in 1979 in a marathon that was held in Eugene, Oregon. The winner of that race was the famous Tony Sandoval and Jeff Wells, who they both somehow tied for the win in 2.10.20, according to a post that I found uh, in the Ted Corbett archives. Herm Atkins was the co-owner of a running store, a coach, and a police officer in Everett, Washington. You can find PRs on him. Uh, so I was wondering a bit more about Nate and who he is. There were a couple local news stories on him, but I figured it was time to give him a little bit more shine and bring his story to a national audience. So I wanted to learn about him and this major breakout. So without further ado, here is Nathan Martin. All right, Nate, welcome to the Sidious Mag podcast. First off, amazing performance at the Marathon Project. I've got your time of 2.11.05 for ninth place, but a little bit sort of uh, history in the making here um, because, you know, in the aftermath of just pouring over all these sort of results and, and looking at the all-time list and seeing where people finish where, um, someone had messaged me and they said that they thought that you might have just run the fastest time by a black man born in the United States, which is very interesting and very particular because, you know, throughout mm. the years we've seen so many amazing performances by uh, black Americans, but in many cases they're yeah. born in Kenya or um, elsewhere. But, you know, this has been a really important year. And so uh, for sort of like conversations like this. So when I reached out to you and I sort of threw that fact out at you, what was kind of like your reaction to, to everything, given that like, one, this is a amazing PR, but then this little factoid gets thrown at you and it's a, it's a big one. Yeah, so the first time I heard it, 
Um, there were a couple other people saying it and I'm like, okay, oh, wow, that's pretty cool. That's awesome. Am I thinking, Hey, it's a great day. You know, it, it, it's awesome to have that achievement. Um, but they were kind of saying, he's like, no, I don't think you realize how big of a deal this is. And I'm like, like, it's pretty cool. I guess I didn't know what to think of it. And then as all the stuff started getting reposted and all that kind of stuff, I was like, Oh my goodness. Wow. Maybe this is something big. So I just kind of started reflecting on it and realizing just what I was achieving and, and just kind of how I could use it to hopefully push people forward. So. Yeah. So the previous best time was by Herman Atkins two eleven fifty two in 1979 and your PR coming into this race is two fourteen thirty four. So before this race, you, were you even aware that this time was out there as sort of like a benchmark to, to try and get? Oh gosh, no, I was not, was not paying attention to it. In fact, I'm, I'm not going to lie. I don't, <laughs> I do probably the worst job ever as far as following like times and things to focus on. Like really me and my coach, the biggest thing we were worried about is whether or not I'm reaching my potential. And that's, that's kind of what we gauge when we go into a race. Um, so yeah, when, once I started hearing it, I'm like, okay, well, we'll see what happens and then achieving it and all those kind of things was like, okay, wow. This is a little bit crazy. So, Yeah. All right. So I want to touch on sort of your backstory and what I've been able to sort of dig up from doing a little bit of research uh, before this. So I want you to take me back to sixth grade because it seems like that's where running enters the picture for you. Uh, where were you growing up? And like, I guess, what, what was childhood like for you? Um, so I grew up in Three Rivers, Michigan. Um, so I guess just going back into early childhood, um things overall were okay like in my opinion you know i didn't grow up with much my family definitely didn't have a lot of money so we definitely struggled at times but you know i found friends i connected with them and it was probably yeah in sixth grade where i got into the middle school and they started talking about hey we're gonna increase fitness you know no more recess all this kind of stuff but we do have this thing called a mile and a third that you're going to do. And I'm like, oh, wow, that seems awesome. Which, you know, okay, you get the race, but then you actually start racing. You're like, oh, wow, this is way farther than I thought it was going to be. Um, so I had like big aspirations to, oh, I'm going to win. I'm going to, you know, finish first, whatever. And I think I was like 20th or 30th the first time I did it in sixth grade. And I'm like, oh, wow, that's, that's horrible. That's pretty bad. Um, but yeah, just through, I guess, wanting it, I don't know, maybe a little bit of extra running. Um, by next year, I was, um, yeah, I was first or second in a gym class, and that kind of sparked running because people started saying, hey, you should, run a, you should run a track, you should run cross country, and at first, I'm like, I don't think I'll do that, but, you know, after a while and enough people saying it, I, I was like, hey, I'll give it a shot, and yeah, I guess the rest was history from there. Why'd you stick with it? Um, well, I mean, at that point, I, so my first race, um, in middle school, it was like eighth grade. I think it was like a couple weeks into the season, but they said, hey, you need to join. So I was like, okay, sure, I'll go for it. And like right off the back, I finished first for the team. And I think in the, whatever race it was, I was like top 10 or something. So I was like, oh, wow, I'm really good at this. I'm going to keep pushing forward. And, you know, I enjoy pushing myself. I enjoy um, testing my limits. So I guess just naturally, um, that was just the best way to do it. So. You go on to run in high school, and what I was able to see online, you still own your school records in the 5K, 
Um, you ran 15:36 in the 1600, 4:15 for the uh, yeah 4:15, and then 3200 meter relay 8:07. Uh, what was it about high school that really st- stood out to you about the sport and why it became sort of like a little bit of a passion? Um, so I give a lot of credit to my high school coach. Um, he did a fantastic job um, just promoting team. Um, as far as accents and O's, you could probably argue maybe he could have known a little bit more, but he promoted team. He promoted, hey, let's win together. Let's fight and let's see what you can do. Um, and I kind of soaked that all up um, just because in general, I enjoy way more doing things with other people than kind of accomplishing stuff by myself. Um, and so just going through that process, you know, we, I think, yeah, freshman year um, in high school, we went and we, uh, we won regionals and we were completely shocked. Um, we went, we didn't even win the, con- I think we finished like third in the conference and everybody in the conference plus more people were at regionals. So we weren't even thinking about it. Um, and so when we accomplished that, it was like, oh my goodness, this is awesome. This is amazing. It's definitely what I want to keep doing. And Yeah. Cause I, I, I just know from recent years, you got your Donovan Braziers, your Grant Fishers, like Michigan distance running in high school is deep. Yeah. Oh gosh. It is insane. Um, just the level of talent that Michigan has produced. And, like, it, it's, it's kind of hard to see because, you know, they'll, the people will come from Michigan and will go off to do something else or, you know, post some crazy times elsewhere, and you, you kind of forget where they came from. So, In these conversations I've had over the summer, when it came to speaking with black track and field athletes, the component that came in was sort of about – distance running and the entry point there because when you when you have a young black athlete in most cases they tend to be steered towards sprints uh what was it i guess about you i guess that found distance running and that you 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 really enjoyed it and and made it sort of your specialty um again it just goes back to the fact that i enjoy pushing myself um, and you know, when you, when you're pushing yourself and you're having a lot of success, you're like, oh, wow, things are going great. Things are good. Um, and you know, at the end of the day, you know, I, maybe I could have been better at something else. I don't know. Um, but I just kept focusing on it and achieving what I was achieving. So it kind of like puts you in a certain direction when you're having success in that. So for sure. Then you go on to run at Spring Arbor University, which I had not heard of uh, before this. And I, I think like not too many yeah. people have 1,300, I think, undergraduate is what I was able to, to pull up, NAIA. Yeah. So what, what appealed to you about that school? Uh, so the biggest thing was junior year. Um, uh, my college coach, my current coach now, Dante Alini, um, he was at a random uh, indoor track meet. Uh, that my high school coach took us to um, and he kind of introduced himself and and just said hey you know maybe if you came on a visit you would enjoy this and that just the whole college spell right um, and the the biggest thing that got me there was just how much energy he poured in to getting people and, and recruiting people right like other than other than him I was getting basically letters people saying hey you should come visit this and that um, but it wasn't anything up front it wasn't like there was no connection there so you know I went with the connection and obviously definitely glad I did so what is that team chemistry like in uh in college and how did it compare to the high school team chemistry 
Um, it, both my teams were amazing. It, it, it was almost like an extension of what my high school team was. Um, it definitely was a lot more intense. Um, Dante has big expectations and, you know, sometimes they pan out, sometimes they didn't. Um, but he definitely wanted the best for the team. So he always pushed us to always connect together and find ways to, to reach out to others and connect with them. So. What did you sort of want to accomplish uh, in college? Because, you know, I guess the NAIA operates a little bit differently where you can, mm-hmm. you can stretch yourself all the way out to the marathon and you do end up winning a national title in that. I guess going back to freshman year, um, you know, my big focus coming out of uh, high school was the mile, um, which I ran 4.15, which is definitely a solid time. It's obviously not quite as fast as some of the people are running right now in high school, but it definitely was solid. Um, coming out of 08. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to run tomorrow. I'm going to break four minutes, this and that. And then Dante just kind of sat me down. I was like, listen, I know you're fast in a mile. You probably could get faster, but I, I don't think that's your event. We're going to move you up to the 5K. I think that's where you can excel. Um, eventually, you know, talk me into the marathon, obviously, but move you up to the 5K. You can push your heart there, and I think you can achieve stuff. So um, that's kind of the main bulk of what I focused on and um, yeah, was able to break 14 as well in that. So I was really happy when that happened. And yeah, from there, yeah, moved on oh, to the marathon. Was that hard to let go of those, those uh, middle distance like aspirations? Oh yeah. It, well, when you, when you, you get a distance stuck in your head and you're like, I'm going to be the best at that distance. I'm going to try my hardest and we're going to see what happens. Then somebody comes along and is like, well, we have a different plan. I'm like, well, what do you know? Yeah, type thing. So, um, during this time, I guess, like while you're in college, I'd read that you'd lost your mother and father to to cancer. Um, so how difficult was that period? And and it mentioned in this article I read, I guess it was on Michigan Live, uh, was that you your team was really that group of people that you turned to and helped mm-hmm. help pick you back up during that hard time. Yeah. Um. It, it, I mean, obviously losing anybody is really hard. Um, And the biggest thing was our team, uh, again, our team was committed to one, connecting with each other um, and using that to, to, to show other people care and other people that, you know, we're here to serve, we're here to help. Um, And so when, when, when I did lose my parents, um, my team rallied behind me really hard. They flat out decided to not go to a meet that you could probably argue, like looking back at it, cost us a chance to get to nationals. Um, but it was like zero hesitation that they were going to go um, to the memorial service and support me. And it was just like, okay, wow. You know, when you're in this and you're doing it, you're just like, oh, wow, we're helping out people. But when you're a part of it, you're like, oh, wow, this is really what we're doing. Um, so, yeah, it was a special moment. The team motto was be a blessing everywhere. How did you sort of carry that into your everyday life then? And I mean, is that still something that stays with you? Um, yeah, I mean, just my natural tendency, like if I can help somebody out in some way, that's definitely what I'm going to do. Um, and being able to be on a team where that was kind of the ideology uh, was just fantastic. And yeah, I guess just in general, like I, it's really hard, right? Like you have most people who who kind of focus on their own goals or focus on what's important to them and not saying that's bad by any means. Um, but yeah, like being able to find a way to, to impact others is, is really important, at least to me. And I try my best to find ways to do that. So 
what do you remember about the that first marathon that you ran? Uh, the very first one, um, I when was I remember, it? Like, I mean, uh, it was in two thousand thirteen. Yeah, two thousand thirteen. Um, so I just came off running the ten k. Um, I want to say a day and a half before. So I was a little bit nervous on how my body was going to feel on it uh, because we had done a 10K two weeks before that. Um, and that was the only thing I did that race. And the next day I, w- I was done. Like I couldn't do anything. So like going into this, uh, going after that 10K, I'm like, oh gosh, now I have to run a marathon. This is going to be rough. Um, but luckily my body was feeling really good. So we said, hey, we're going to be super conservative. Um, as far as competition, uh, there's a good chance regardless you're going to win it. So let's be conservative. And, you know, if later in the race you're feeling good, let's go for the record. Um, so that was kind of the focus and we executed. And, yeah, that's what we were able to pull off. So. Is that the one you ran 219.18? Yep, 219.18. Yep, yep. I would say that's a home run after your very first one. Uh, yeah, no, it was, <laughs> I definitely didn't know what to expect. So, you know, obviously the conservative route was the smartest thing to do. And, um, yeah, being able to finish just my whole college career, um, just kind of capitalizing on my fitness and what I was able to do was definitely awesome. Did you feel like the marathon going forward was going to be your event? Um, yeah, so my coach sat me down and um, because after college, I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do. Maybe I'll, you know, go back home, pay off some debt or, or whatever, just do something to, to just progress my life. And so my coach, yes, just sat me down and said, Hey, I honestly think you have a lot of potential in a marathon. And, and, you know, if you want to pursue it, I'll help you however I can. And yeah, we'll see what you can do. And so I said, you know what, sure, let's go for it and you know, see how it goes. How far in advance did you really start to set your sights on like the 2016 Olympic marathon trials? Because you end up going into that one seated 37th. Uh, so we, I think it was maybe a year after. So we had done some training, um, just kind of starting focusing more on the marathon. Um, it wasn't going super great. I ended up getting like an injury because well, it was it was not running related. It was I was at one of my friends. Um, we're having a uh, like a bachelor weekend at Mackinac Island, and we're doing some like biking stuff. And like I, we started going down a super steep hill, and like my brakes didn't work. Like the bike started skidding, and I'm like, oh my goodness! So I like jump off and like try and stop myself, and then poof like something happened to my Achilles or something like that. So that next year was like a little bit rough trying to get into training because it seemed like every time we get started and things would go well, um, I'd have a setback um, kind of, yeah, with my Achilles. And then, um, yeah, so we, we decided in 20, it's like 2014, 2015 to target the USA um, Marathon Championships which we thought it'd just be a great opportunity to get um, get a race in with some fast guys and potentially post a PR. Um, and then, so we went into it. We had, I think I went 215, 40-something. I can't remember. Um, and at that point, we qualified for Charles and said, hey, well, we're qualified. Let's uh, train for it. So It's really interesting because I was looking at some of the responses that in the past when you've talked about the trials and, and I hear it now too, where, you know, there's this sliver of hope 
that you have when it comes to the Olympic dream. Like you mm-hmm. being in the Olympic yeah. trials, you have a shot of making the Olympic team. Now, if you look at the PRs of all the people in the field, it might be a slim chance, but it's a chance. Yeah. How do you sort of fuel sort of like those Olympic dreams of yours where you give yourself that confidence and, and the thought process to think that I can make the team? I mean, it, it first starts with belief, right? You know, I'm, you know, I'm not a person who, who's like so pie in the sky, like, hey, I'm going to make it happen. And my, my PR is too whatever, and I need to shave off five minutes, no problem. Um, but I definitely believe there's a shot, right? And, and my coach is always confident when he sees my training. You know, it's hard because it's hard, right? Like you, you post all these good workouts. And so, you know, it doesn't reflect what you can do if you get into a race and you bomb, right? Um, so my coach knows what kind of fitness I have. So he's always telling me, hey, there's a shot. Um, it does, we don't know what other people are doing, um, but you can't sell yourself short. Um, so even going into the, the 2020 marathon, we had a crazy amount of success. And we said, hey, you know what? Skip it. We're, we're going to do what we can. And, you know, if you can make it, you can make it. If not, then, you know, you tried. So what does that success look like behind the scenes? Because we can see the results, but take us through some of these, these hard sessions and these workouts that you've put together in, in the lead up to things. Yeah. So like, just start, like, I know, honestly, my, my volume is probably my biggest weakness. Um, when I'm hearing a lot of people talk about training and they're hitting 120, 130, or at least 100, I'm like, ooh, well, I hit like 85 last week. That's kind of close. But um, so the biggest thing is, is we focus on quality. Um, you know, my coach says a lot that I have a ability to kind of push myself past my limits, uh, which ends up getting me into a little bit of overtraining issues. But um, so we, we really focus on quality and making sure that we're getting in those hard workouts. So we... We, going into marathon, 2020 marathon trials, we did a workout where I did, I want to say, it's an 18-mile workout. So we started off at like a moderate effort, so like 540s or something like that, 530s, and then we started cutting it down from there to where my last six were right around five flattish, maybe a little bit over. Um, so those are some of the bulkier workouts we've done. Um, I think in recent, I just got done with a workout um or my workout building up to the uh the marathon project i did a 15 mile workout um this is actually a 19 mile workout but we we were shooting for about 455 pace which that's what we averaged um i I definitely was tired after that um but i was able to also cut down a couple of them and get a few 14 40 miles in there 46 or something like that so how much are you going to the well in these sort of workouts where like the next day how are you feeling um, so going into the marathon, um, the USA, uh, marathon trials, I was definitely tired. We definitely were o- overworking. The density probably was just too hard on my body. Um, but we took a more of like, just a give my body time to recover approach going into the, uh, um, marathon project. And it definitely worked out because, um, you know, I'd be tired a little bit after the workouts, but I definitely could tell that my body was handling it and um you know getting better from it so it was interesting because i saw that your coach had previously said that there could be the opportunity i guess like for you to go i don't know somewhere like flagstaff or something like that and and you know Mm -hmm. commit yourself to training full-time and and figuring out life outside of running 
but at the same time focusing on something like the trials, but you've opted to just stay in Michigan and within your community. Why, why, why make that choice? And like, what's so important to you? I guess the biggest thing is, is it, it comes back to to what I want to make sure I'm doing is, is serving others, right? And and it's not to say that I couldn't go out to Flagstaff and crank it hard and, and make it to Olympics and inspire a whole bunch of people. But, um, you know, when I see opportunities in front of me to be able to coach and directly impact kids, you know, that's what I'm going to gravitate more towards, right? Like I, I could say, you know what, I, I have to use this talent and while I have it to, you know, generate more money or, or, you know, make it guarantee I can make it to the Olympics or have a much better shot. Um, but I don't, I don't want to go out and do that feeling like, you know, I left an opportunity to truly help people behind or truly impact um, people who might need me. So. Yeah, it really rings true because in that article, your coach says it's like he cares more than others than he does about himself, and he's willing to risk his own personal success if that means bringing about positive change in his own community. In a year like this, where it's so hard to be out and about and meeting with a ton of people, what are you what are you trying to do within your own community? Um, so the biggest the biggest thing um, I've been doing is is kind of coaching, um, which was definitely hard this year. Um, I was lucky. Well, I don't know if I call it lucky, but um, I was promoted to the uh, head coach um, for the Jackson High School District, or at least Jackson High um, High School. But yeah, um, and it was definitely rough. Um, you know, there were different days where we had to tell the kids, well, pretty much for the next whenever you're going to have to wear a mask anytime you run. Luckily, that got changed around. Um, we had to even tell them for their very last race, like, it was, it, I felt so bad. It was probably 10 minutes before they're about to go off. I got a call saying that, hey, there was a case of COVID. We're shutting down everything. You're going to have to tell your runners you can't run. Um, so obviously all that stuff is really hard, but um, I want to make sure I was there for them to just push them through and, and being able to connect with kids, honestly, is what I truly enjoy. Like, don't get me wrong. I enjoy running a crazy amount. Um, but I enjoy way more um, how I can use that um, to inspire the next generation. So. How does your work with uh, as, uh, being a substitute teacher factor into your whole entire schedule when it comes to coaching and doing your own sort of training? Where, where does that sort of take place? Um, yeah, so it just depends. Like, obviously, you know, uh, choosing this lifestyle is not, a, not the most glamorous as far as like how much you could make. Um, so I definitely substitute teach one because again, I enjoy connecting with kids. Um, but two, I obviously have to pay the bills. So it just depends. Um, you know, when I have more free time or training's not as heavy, then I'll get as many sub jobs as I can. Um, you know, when training's super heavy or I'm not worried as much about money, uh, then I'll uh, take it a little bit easy. But just being able to go into schools and, you know, kind of be myself and, you know, yeah put a smile on some kid's face or inspire them so way is, is, is good. So what kind of support do you get right now? Because I remember that's something that kind of came up on a couple of the Instagram comments when we posted a photo of you, it was just like, people were just jumping on it. It's like someone sponsored this guy and, and that kind of <laughs> stuff. So like what, what kind yeah. of support do you get now? And then is it, is this something that you anticipate that you hope to see sort of change going forward? Um, yeah, I like, I definitely, well, obviously, you know, you, you want to make more money if you can, but, 
Um, I hope that, you know, I can use this to hopefully uh, keep pushing myself forward and give myself a true opportunity um, to be able to pursue running a little bit more within what I'm doing, right? Um, coaching is fantastic, and it definitely gives me a um, – I guess a good paycheck, but, you know, obviously doesn't cover everything. So, you know, if I could reach out to somebody and say, Hey, you know, what, what are the options under the parameters I'm willing to work with? Then it's definitely what I'm going to do. So in terms of like shoes and, and gear and everything, that kind of stuff, that's all you on your own, right? Uh, pretty much. Um, so I've, I've connected with Tracksmith and they've done an unbelievable job um, just supplying me with gear for the race. They did, they have a person kind of doing a story on me right now. Um, he he did some uh, some photos for me as well, and um, yeah, no, they've they've done an amazing job. Uh, obviously, my coach does a way more than he honestly needs to, and I don't know if that's because he's like, hey, you know, I know the potential you have, and I, I want to push you push you forward and make it happen, or you know, if he's a little crazy. But you know, between those two things, and obviously just the community in general. Um, I at least make it work for now. So, it's been a long relationship, I guess, that you've had with with you and your coach. What is it about that? Um, I guess that chemistry that has worked for so long. Um, I think it's just because Dante. One, Dante's a pretty assertive guy. Like, if he has something in his head, it, you're pretty much gonna have to tell him no. In fact, I don't even know if no will work. Um, that he's going to pursue and he's going to try his best to make happen. And two, he cares for people and he cares for doing what he can for them. And so like between those two things, it, it, it's really honestly the biggest thing that's pushed me forward. Without him, I would not be as fast of a runner. And, and um, yeah, no, it's just, just it's awesome connecting with him, I guess. Uh, kind of, I'm curious, where does, I guess you can point to the workouts, but where does your confidence come from when it comes to a race like the marathon project? Because you with your PR and that kind of stuff fall a little bit lower, I guess, in the, on the totem pole when you've got guys like Scott Fobble and, and Jared Ward on there, uh, where they're obviously drawing all the attention at the beginning of the race, you end up finishing top 10. But where, where, how do you sort of like feel uh, when you see yourself on the same starting line as these guys? Um, I mean, I just give myself confidence by knowing, hey, I put in this work. You know, I'm not, I'm not here to, to try and become better than uh, Scott Fobbs. Or I'm not here to go and become the best. Like, I mean, obviously, you know, if you're going to a race and you have the opportunity, you take it. I'm like, I'm here to run my race and to see what I can accomplish. And if that beats some people, then um, so be it. But um, I want to make sure that whatever I accomplish, I'm happy with, not not tied to whether or not I, I hit this certain time or whether or not, you know, I beat this certain person. So what was the conversation like before the marathon project? What did you and your coach think you can do on, the, on that day? Um, he wanted me, well, at least he said, Hey, I think if you wanted to go for it, you could stay with that 209 group. And that, that definitely was the plan. Um, it, it ended up not working out quite as well as I had hoped, but, um, you know, we were, we were confident that, you know, if I had a great day, there was no reason I couldn't have gone sub 210. Um, so that kind of was our focus and. Yeah, we went two eleven, which obviously still is not a bad day, um, but we we knew we could uh, race with the top guys if if we got the opportunity. So. 
Well, that's that comes back to this point I had in a conversation with Scott Fobble last week, and then I talked with Marty Hare yesterday, where it was sort of like after Atlanta. Atlanta, you're left wondering, well, what could I have done on a really fast and flat course with like perfect weather mm-hmm. and not any crazy sort of wind? Where did you sort of like see the potential there? Because you have to weigh that that 214 that you ran in Atlanta, maybe being, you know, two and a half minutes possibly faster on a better course with, you know, better conditions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, we we just look back to our workouts, right? Um, a lot of the things we were doing were, as we were attempting to go roughly marathon pace. It arguably could have been a little bit faster um, as far as the pacing I was going, but most of our work was right around 455. Um, so we knew that like, hey, even if you're going slightly faster, um, you're definitely like, you can hold five minutes or even faster than that. I blew up in Atlanta, so <laughs> it was definitely more than two and a half minutes, but. <laughs> Um, yeah, no, that course was brutally hard. It was so insane. I'm like, oh my goodness, why are they trying to run a marathon here? Especially with the wind. It was like, I don't know what it was, but wind, hills, and just like trying to fight super hard. Like, I don't know how, how well you guys could watch on the TV, um, but we started off pretty relaxed, like maybe five you know, 505, 510 or something for the first mile. And then somebody at some point was like, this is too slow. And it was like this huge mob started going 440 pace. And I'm like, what the heck is going on? So I'm like, well, if I want a shot, I guess I'll go with them. And then like two or three miles later, I'm like, I'm going to die. And so was a lot of other people. Was that trials race more painful, I guess, than – because you really – that was pain from like the hills and, and the course and, and just like that crazy acceleration. How does that compare to the toll that running 211 took on you this past Sunday? Oh, it, I came off of this race and I was like, oh, wow, that wasn't actually that bad. Like you, you finished the race and you're like, I could have ran 40 seconds faster. Heck, I could have ran maybe even a minute faster. But you're like five miles into the Atlanta course, you're like, I am done. This is too much. There's no way I can do another loop of this. So crazy. Yeah. Um, Awesome. So this, the the marathon project, was this your first race opportunity since Atlanta? Uh, Yeah. So we tried to target a couple races. Um, Unfortunately, like we're having a little bit of trouble getting into Chicago. Um, My times weren't quite fast enough. Um, so we're having issues. We also tried to get into the Houston half. Um, obviously, both of them got canceled. But even before then, we were just having um, just issues just because my PRs weren't that great and different things like that. So, yeah, pretty much everything we targeted got canceled or we just had trouble getting into. Um, so I was very thankful that the uh, Marathon Project gave me the opportunity um, just to showcase my fitness and obviously get a chance to race. So. Yeah, hopefully you don't have that. I don't think you'll have that trouble going forward anymore. Hopefully not. We'll see. But yeah, hopefully not. Um, so did you have like this this great itch to sort of race or how did you sort of like fill that void? Because, you know, it was this is a time where a lot of people shifted to I'm just going to go time trial, you know, by myself on a local track or, uh, you know, mm-hmm. there's these virtual races that you could try and do. But it's just still not the same as an actual race. What did you do in the past couple of months? Um, or was it just, you know, we're going to train, train, train until the next opportunity? Um, so a couple things happened, like right after trials, um, obviously everything started getting shut down. 
Um, and so my coach was like, hey, let's spend some time just cranking out workouts, um, trying to get your volume up. So I was like the first three, three or four months, like, well, once I got back into training, the first three or four months, I was just cranking on all my workouts. Like every other day, I was trying to cut it down to five flight, if not faster, um, which ended up ultimately making my body a little bit tired. Um, but my coach said, hey, that's what we need to get in. We need to harden your body to that um, just because it's going to help you in a marathon. So we, we had a few issues coming off of that. Um, so we decided to switch gears and go towards focusing a little bit more on the speed end of things. And so we, we did a, we didn't do a time, a 5k time trial. Um, I think I went like 1409 or something like that. We had like maybe a month to just get in work to see what I can do. And then we did another race. I want to say a or a race a couple weeks ago where we, not a couple weeks ago, a couple months after that. Um, where we got a few guys into it. And yeah, I think I went in like another 1409 or 1411, something like that. And solid. Yeah. Great signs uh, for the marathon project. So, I mean, after this performance, I'm sure you're taking some, some downtime before you get back into training, but on the horizon, do you have any sort of ideas of what you want to try and accomplish in 2021 or for even like the next marathon, if that's, you know, in fall 2021? Um, so we're, we're deciding on what the best course of action is, um, whether or not we, we go right from the gun and target another marathon and say, hey, it's, it's you know, you're, you're firing, let's uh, get your time faster. Or if we say, hey, we need to go back to the fundamentals and, and start working on some weaknesses and um, just get better overall. Um, so we're still deciding that. Um, you know, I'd love to crank out a crazy fast half marathon sometime soon. Um, love to get into a 10k um, definitely if possible maybe even uh, qualify for the trials for that um, and yeah just see I guess overall what my body has definitely I think I feel like you've still got lots to to explore when it comes to to your potential um, all right I'll hit you with the final questions that I ask every guest first one mm -hmm. what's the meanest thing you've read about yourself on letsrun.com the uh the meanest thing yeah oh gosh i try to i try to stay off of let's run because like the really i don't get onto it honestly at all but i heard a friend was um i i forgot what race that was at. he was like hey yeah they're they're discrediting you for this race I'm like what are you talking about it's like yeah they're saying that you're, you're not that fast and this and that and blah 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 and i came off like a this is after i came off like a 46 57 uh 10 mile race and i was going into the 20k championships and i'm like well i guess we'll see what happens and then i finished running up in it so love to prove the haters wrong <laughs> uh yeah. what's the funniest drug testing story that you've got have you been drug tested for, uh, for running I, so I, once I have, which I don't know if it's a funny story then. I don't know. I didn't know what the procedures or protocols were. So like I finished a race and some guy comes up to him. He's like, Hey, yeah. Uh, I forgot what he said, but I thought he was like some kind of like person trying to interview me. So I was like, so confused. I'm like, well, what do you want? And he starts like talking. I'm like, what? I'm like, Oh, okay. I guess so. Sure. And then, so we go into the, the drug to get to drug testing and I had to wait like an hour because I couldn't use the bathroom and all this. It, and you have know, this I random guess. person following you around. Yeah. 
Yeah, so I like, yeah, I didn't know what the procedure was, but you know, I guess we got through it. There's a lot of waiting, which was my coach was a little bit anxious because we didn't know we could go and like warm up or or cool down afterwards. So I'm sitting there for like an hour, and he's like, "Well, he needs to get in like a a cool down or something." Like, "Oh yeah, no, as long as he has the person with him." My coach like, "Well, I wish we knew that." (laughs) So, if you could go on a run anywhere in the world, uh. With anyone from history, they don't have to be a runner. They could be a historical figure or a fictional person. Where would this run take place, and who would it be with? Oh, I've I've not thought about that at all. So, um, I guess somewhere in Egypt, I guess with. Somebody, uh, Dave Chappelle. That's a good one. I that would be, that would that would be enjoyable. What's what's the best uh, running spot in your opinion in Michigan? Because this is like something that gets debated, and it's I'm sure got many many beautiful places to run. Um, whew, you said the best running spot. Yeah, Des Linden Ooh, posts I mean, a ton of stuff on Instagram, and I'm always looking and seeing. I'm like, th- this looks like the best state to probably train in, except for the winter time. Winter time is a little bit brutal for me. <laughs> Yeah, um, I mean, there are a lot of nice places to go to, um, especially, like, there. what's nice about Michigan is, like, I mean, mean, it might be nice about other states, is, you know, you have so many different terrains and different ways you can run. So if you're a trail runner, there are so many different options. If you just like going, like, we have a lot of sand dunes, too, which um, some of them are, like, ridiculously tall. I've tried to run up them. It's not a good idea, but um, I guess... Yeah, I don't know. I guess I just kind of run around Jackson and just in the general area. I don't really get around much, but yeah. I Would you know. ever give the trails or even like ultras a shot? I know. So I, I hate trail running. I'm not going to, I hate running on a trail with a raw passion. Like if it is, if there is dirt, then you will not find me there. <laughs> but um, uh, in the ultra that, like, I have a couple friends who will talk about all these ultras that they'll do or these, like, adventure races. I'm like, no, thank you. Give me, like, 60-degree weather, a flat pavement course, and I'm going to be perfectly fine. So your preference is definitely something more of, like, for major marathons, Chicago over, like, a New York City marathon? Um, yeah, like I, like, not to say that I couldn't handle hills, like I've definitely done hills in the past. In fact, um, you know, in high school, that's all we did because our course was debatably one of the hardest courses you could run, at least in high school. Um, but yeah, like, so I'm not saying I, I'm bad at hills, but yeah, definitely prefer, uh, prefer things nice, flat and smooth. So I'm right with you on that. All right, final question has nothing to do with running. It's you get 25 shots from half court on a full-size basketball court. And if you make one, you win $25 million. If you don't make any of the 25 shots, you'll go to jail for 25 years. Would you attempt the shots? What? That's horrible. Oh, my goodness, $25 million, though. That is a lot. Um, man. Ooh. Oh, gosh. I think we'd go for it. We'd, we'd go for it. Not There's a big that risk taker, but, but 25 shots. That, that's a lot of shots. Yeah, I mean, I'm always of the mindset you get to, if you miss by 25, that's when you really start to sweat it. And like, <laughs> that's when the pressure is on. But 
Um, yeah, I, I would not take the shots for, for the record, but, um, <laughs> Nate, I really appreciate you taking the time to do this. I'm glad, uh, more people are going to be able to, to hear your story. Um, and once again, yeah, congrats on, on setting that, that benchmark and, you know, hopefully inspiring, you know, others to take a crack at it as well. Yeah, no problem. No, it's been awesome. Thanks for reaching out and connecting with me. Um, as far as I can tell, you do a fantastic job. So keep up the good work, good sir. And um, yeah, hopefully I'll see you around. Definitely. Thanks to Nate for the chat on Tuesday. Hope he gets the rest and recovery that he needs after that really hard effort. I'm not done pumping out these podcasts for you this week. I figured I would maybe relax going into the holidays, but the stories coming out of the Marathon Project are just too good. So tomorrow, we're recording with Noah Drotti, so stay tuned for that episode to drop very shortly thereafter that. If you enjoyed this episode, give me a little Christmas gift and leave a review on Apple Podcasts. You listeners are my motivation for why I keep at it, even when there's no title sponsor for the show, and that's okay. If you're interested in being that title sponsor at some point in 2021, hit me up. My email is chris at sidiousmag.com, and we can get the ball rolling with that. Individually, you can also support us on Patreon. If you like our work as an entire podcast network, that's Dana Giordano Show, Scott Fobble Show, Jesse Squire Show, The Social Sport Podcast, visit patreon.com slash sidiousmag to toss us a couple bucks. And what that does is it helps us cover the you know, the cost of hosting space online for these shows, you know, maybe it covers the cost of a coffee that keeps me going to edit these podcasts late at night. You're also funding some really cool projects that we might embark on for 2021. We have a movie coming out very soon. More on that at another time. I've been your host, Chris Chavez, wishing you some happy and healthy running. Legs are feeling good.